it's going to be so serious. I'm going to go ahead and get a warning out top because today we're going to be talking about suicide. And I'm like, okay, if you already know you can't handle this because we're about to ask some deep questions, have some deep conversation. I need you to go ahead and turn this out. Go ahead and turn this out. Shut it down. Come back to it when you know you're in a better place because this ain't about triggering nobody. This is about having a discussion so you can have some understanding if you're in a good place to answer right now. So I'm not going to do this thing by myself tonight. I have Alice with me today and Alice going to have some deep discussion about suicide. It's just going to be a discussion today, y'all. Can y'all hang with that? You know what I mean? But anyway, you, you know, I got to. But anyway, I'm going to ask you to tell the people what kind of person that you see yourself to be. I am a real one. I think in today's terms, you know, I'm a real one. I think that I, um, I'm i a good listener. I'm a good, I'm, I have a good heart. I've been through a lot of things. Not to say that everyone else hasn't, but I think that it, what I've been through has given me a different perspective and a different landscape on how I handle things. I'm happy to have you. And and I think what people don't know is that you're always willing to help others. You have a kind heart and, you know, you always have a heart for other people. And, and I find that to be interesting. And the reason why I say that is because people who help other people, in my eyes, it seems like they get done. They get done in some kind of way in this in this life. I, I don't know what it is. It's like it's almost like you saying, I'll, I'll be there for you. I'll help you. And I just kind of feel like that kind of thing get taken for granted. You I know? agree. I can't say that I have not been in that place. I think it's a mindset and what your intentions are and what what it is you are trying to achieve in being so giving. I think initially when I was so kind-hearted, quote-unquote kind-hearted, I did have an agenda because I wanted friends. I wanted to be loved. I wanted I wanted it to be reciprocated. And it wasn't. It wasn't. And so I had to get to a place where I was just cool, just giving. And that's it. I'm in that place where here, just take it. You need it. I see, I see your need. Let me fill it. And I had to bring up the kindness. Sometimes people assume those people don't need help because they help enough. They say, okay, yeah, you don't tough. need it. Yeah, you don't you don't need no help. You must be all right. Mm-hmm. You know? And I think that we have to understand that everybody needs help at some point. Have there been times that you felt like, hey, I need help? Yeah, but I, I think when those times when I really needed help, I didn't know how to ask. It was just the people that were around me that saw the need or just kicked out something. You know what I mean? Whether it was a hug, whether it was monetary, whether it was just I've, I've been actually I can say that I have been very blessed with just good people that have just blessed me and shown me what it is to be a good friend a good person and to just have that heart okay have that heart do you feel like you receive the help that you wanted and the help that you need do you feel like that's what I needed I just needed a hug what was it that you felt like you needed help with exactly I mean I think the most help that I needed when I was really struggling with, you know, the suicidal ideation and, and the attempts, let's just call it what it is. Um, I just wanted to be loved. I just wanted to be loved. And I really wanted people to see that. I really wanted someone to see that I was suffering. Everybody needs to know that it's okay to admit that you're at a place where you feel like you're a little depressed. And I don't even want to say little depressed. Let me just say depressed altogether. But when you think about it, you said something about wanting love, needing love. Is that what you felt like? 
like triggered your depressions, your thoughts? Uh, well, I know exactly what my triggers were. There was a lot of chaos and violence in my family. And I wasn't, not only I wasn't heard, I wasn't seen. And I was diagnosed with depression when I was 12. But I went to my parents at that age, letting them know. I remember going into the kitchen. It was a weird day where everybody was getting along because usually everything was usually very chaotic and there was arguments and just chaos. And then I also had a brother that was special needs and he had, he had seizures. And so everybody was either on high alert for him or we were on high alert for whatever chaos was going on in the house. But that particular day, I went into the kitchen and I sat on one of the chairs and I just told my parents, I'm really sad. Mm. I'm really having a hard time and I'm really sad. I have been sad for a long time. And for me to be aware of that, to communicate it at that age was different in itself because, you know, I'm not young, I'm 50. So at 12 and, and able to speak to my own mental health at that age, that was different. So I am curious, you walked in there at 12 and say, hey, I'm sad. And it's interesting that you say, I'm sad. You know, you're 12 years old. And I think that um, sometimes parents need to hear that word sad and really kind of evaluate that because that could be deeper than what it is that they can even imagine. But I yeah. guess I want to know, what was the response from your parents when you walked in there and said, hey, I'm sad? I think that they had to take a look at themselves as potential contributors. I also went to a private school. I, I grew up in a in a small town and um, I went to a private school. So I was very isolated all the time, everywhere. And I think that was a contributor. The things that were going on in our household were a contributor. And so their take on that was probably very innocent, very naive, because that's something that you just don't hear about in that time. But they did do the due diligence in taking me to a counselor you know, to talk about it. But then I was pulled out of the counselor once my dad realized that I was going to be sharing the details of what was going on in our house. You know what's kind of messed up about that? And I, and I got to be honest, and, and I know I'm probably going to offend some parents out there, but I want parents to really think about that. It's like, are you thinking about, I want my child to be happy versus sad? Or is it about, oh my God, are you going to be telling the business of what's going on in our home? Which one, which thing is more important? When you hear the word suicide, it's, you know, just the word suicide. How do you feel about that word? For me, it's, um, it's still something that it's still relatable. And when I say that, I mean, there are moments where there's that piece of me still thinks about suicide. And I've got a lot going on in my life now. You know, I'm so far removed from where I was as a child and even from my last attempt when I was 30 something. Um, I've had a lot of therapy and I've had a lot of help, but there are moments where I still sink and then I have to catch myself. Hold up. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's not you. That's not where we are. Yeah. I mean, I'm just saying a lot of people have to do that. A lot of people find themselves having to say, hey, hey, that's not where we are. But yeah. And I can't say that I don't still struggle with, with depression because I think that that's a part of life. I think that you're going to have moments where, and I have recognized my my levels, my situations of depression, and I'm not, you know, I'm not a therapist. I can only speak for me, but the depression that I experience is usually hormonal or situational. And then I reach out to my therapist <laughs> and let her know <laughs> <laughs> that, you know, I'm dealing with something or there is a potential to 
be something. Mm, and a good therapist. How do a good therapist She's respond? Good, uh, I'm just saying, but it's important to have people that are there for you. So, how many times if you were gonna tell us that you attempted suicide? Well, brace yourself. Okay, I'm ready. Forty plus. Forty, forty times. Yeah. At yeah. least on the minimum. Yeah, my first attempt was when I was twelve. When when I tried to get the help that I wanted, and a lot of my attempts and almost completions were in my teen years and in my twenties, and then I still battled it for several years. Um, even though I had gotten away from the family, but all the things, all the things that I had dealt with in the family, and then all the things that I was trying to learn with just regular people, it was hard on me. And what was going on that made you say, or even attempt, or think about going at all? Um, so I'm gonna just put it out there. So that that absence, parents are just parents by title, but not parental in in the job that they are required to do. There was an absence. I was just there. It was as if I was just supposed to be self-sufficient. But I think that present day as a mom, it's clear to me that not everybody needs to be a parent. And, or once you become a parent, if it, if you don't feel what you need to feel, <laughs> if you don't want to do the job, then you probably, you probably should pass it on to somebody else. You know what's interesting? It's interesting to say that because I find so many women out here who want to have children, want to have children, and can't for whatever the reason is. Or they try and they look around there and it just never manifests. And I see other people who can rub against somebody real good. I mean, contact they really completely made, you know? <laughs> Next thing you know, you know they, they pregnant. I mean, I'm trying to figure out, like, you know, it's just, it's crazy to me. And those people end up being yeah. parents. Yeah. But you know what? Let me tell you something. I wanted the traditional get married, have a child. But every attempt that I made again on my life, I prayed and I'd ask God, you know, I don't, I'd have a discussion. I don't know if it was a prayer. It was just a discussion with God. Like, I know you, we, I, I've been, I've been a part of your life a long time. I've, I've watched, you know, been to church, been, you know, I know the Bible. I went to a Christian school. I was required to memorize verses. I know this. <laughs> the, the deal is I was really like pleading with him like I, I'm holding pills in my hand I'm holding knives in my hand I'm holding whatever device that I was choosing to take myself out like I need to negotiate with you this is I need to know why I'm here which mm. goes back to that podcast that you had about purpose I needed to understand what my purpose was why am I here because I'm suffering I'm miserable mm -hmm. Miser my misery lasted for years that last prayer that I prayed when I was 36 I took I don't even tell you what I took but I took a bottle of pills <clears throat> and I was just like all I ever asked you to do was send someone to love me that's all I ever wanted was for someone to love me I might have been 35 maybe 36 I'm not sure I think I was 35 that was in October of 2000 it was in 2007 it was in 2009 I know that for sure I ended up going into the hospital I shoved charcoal down my throat and I was still here again mm. they put me in the hospital but when I was discharged and I got out I was completely empty it was a different kind of it was a different feeling like I really had to figure life out like that was the last one like God really wanted me to be here for some mm -hmm, reason mm -hmm. 
And so um, a couple months later, I met somebody and I ended up getting pregnant with my daughter. And um, when I gave birth to her, I realized that she was the gift. Mm. She was the love that I was praying for that day. So that twofold. One part of that, you know, is when you were talking about the situation you was in, because that situation can look different depending on the person. Because some people saying, why am I in this situation? That could be in a household with you know, certain parents. That could be in relationships or marriages or dealing with certain family members or even if they're feeling like they're stuck in a certain season in their life. And then when you talked about, hey, I want to love. I want to love. And that's why it's so hard for me to talk about depression without talking about rejection because everybody mm. be wanting to know what is the core? Dr. E, why can't I? What is it? Why can't I lift myself up? Why is it Why is it so hard? And I had to dig deep. I'm like, what is it? What is it? And I realized that it's rejection, the feeling of not being accepted. And whether it's parents yeah. or friends or what Whatever the case may be, that's you usually like it. the substance of, of really what is. it is, right? Yeah. This is the other part about it. And this is just something that irked the mess out of me. It really do. People always wonder the why. And they're like, why? Why? What's wrong? You know, you got a car, you got a house, you know, your bank account that. Yeah. And then, you know, yeah. they be looking at all of these tangible things. And I say, you know what? Y'all missing it. Y'all missing it. I think those people haven't experienced those those things though. And I think that it's just the, the level of rejection when I tell you I'm I received rejection from my father all the way up until he died. So that's a different, that's a different type of, that's a different type of hurt when that's the person that brought you into the world and they just don't, they provide for you, but they don't like you. They but don't that's, love you. That's deep because I, that's backed it up on a couple of things. That's deep because, you know, one part of me say, okay, a parent could think I'm providing for my child and that's enough. People think I'm giving you this, I'm giving you that. So what's the problem? Mm. They miss the essence of it. They miss the, the true miss meaning it. of what the person needs or what love is about. And it goes on to say that, you know, sometimes people look at love and think it's tangible. And I look and I said, man, people, some people out here really don't know how to love. So considering your dad, I provided, I'm, I'm assuming. So it's like, yeah. um, he provided. So in his mind, somewhere in there, he don't understand because he gave you love. He gave you love. You know, it's like, do people really know how to love a person? And that's what I wonder. Um, I think that you're right. I think you hit it. I think that his idea of love was giving us a nice home and, and giving us this status. He was the chairman of the deacon board and, you know, just had all this status. But I didn't want that. I didn't hear anything about that. But that's not real. I just, I just wanted him to put his arm around me. Yes. Yes. I love you and give me a kiss on the forehead. Yes. Why? And that's why I said the kindest people oh, know that. All these other folks, I'm like, what you chasing? What could your parents yeah. have provided you? I think that what was missing was missing for so many years that I didn't know what it was because there was no affection. There was no words of affirmation. You know, there wasn't, you know, that end of that one-on-one -on -one individual time that was really about me. Mm. It was really about them. So I really didn't know what I was looking for. And I spent a whole mess of years looking for it in all the wrong people, dudes. <laughs> you say, oh, you know what that, okay, so I have to, you know, every time I think about that, when somebody say, I was looking, I, you know, I was with the wrong people. I was looking for love with the wrong people. I started going into like, when Eddie Murphy went into that, that whole looking for love looking and wrong. <laughs> looking for love in all the wrong places looking for love you know yeah. that's crazy you said you didn't know what you were looking for you said i didn't know dudes. what i was looking for and you know and it, i mean it's taken me probably up until just a couple of years ago years now in, in getting the help that i need and really kind of guiding me <laughs> <laughs> i love it i love it <laughs> 
and and helping me see what I needed to to look for because and and people would say, you know, you're 50. What you mean? What you mean you haven't been in a relationship? Sure, I've been in some relationships. Right. Were they healthy? Were they meaningful? Did they have? Did they know my story? And or it, even if they did, did they care about it? Ain't that cold? Man, listen, these people out here, I, they don't be, it's rough. Yeah, it's a reality yeah. that they don't care. And it's it's amazing to me that they, I'm like, where's the humanity? Like, where's the, like, are you kidding me? And and they think it's all right. But the funny thing about it is it all equates to people and how people treat you or how you perceive that a person has treated you. It took me a minute to, to share what my needs were. And, and, and I'm still in that process, like, because I'm still really in that discovery place. But I know that I'm not in my yesterday. Mm. Mm. So wait a minute. You saying I know I needed love. I'm I'm trying to figure out what that looked like. You looking for a boo thing? I guess I'm, my question is, how you gonna know if you found what you're looking for? If you can't, well, I had to find it. me first. Mm. I had to find me first. And in this parenting thing, single parenting thing, at that you find out who you are in the struggle. The struggle is real. Hmm. That ain't even just for those women who who single parent. The struggle is real when you deal with people in general. Doctor E gonna tell you that the struggle is real. I see so much taking and not enough giving, and it's a trip to me. Whole lot of whole lot of taking, not enough giving. But I felt in the process that my daughter is is the gift then god did provide for me and her and not only in making sure that we had what we needed but also the people that we needed i mean i was blessed with a wonderful daycare provider that was with my daughter from eight months until she was eight years old she and unfortunately she passed away but she was a great blessing to me i mean there were weeks that i couldn't pay she was like, I don't care. Mm-hmm. Bring her. And from that, it just kind of catapulted into just different friendships because with her help, I was able to get into really good jobs and not have to worry about who's going to care for my baby and good care, not just, you know, baby number seven. Yeah. Good care. So I didn't have to worry about that. In moving from where I grew up to Texas, there are issues with Texas. But there are great things. There are great people. There are great people in Texas. And I have been very loved, very loved and very blessed by the people that I have come across in these in these twelve and some twelve years and some change of parenting. And not only did I have I grown in my parenting years as a mom, but I've also learned to love myself through that process. If when I look at her, she's now 12, and I look at her and think back to that day of when I went to my parents and said I was sad, I hear her differently. As a parent, what is it that you feel like, hey, I need to take note of these things. I I need to be paying attention so I can see if my child is where I used to be. I got to do things differently. I just, you know, I love her enough to know that I don't ever want her to suffer in sadness. Mm. That's, I mean, I was crippled by it. Like I couldn't, there were days where I was just, I couldn't function. And, you know, I'm probably, it's probably better than most where I would still get up and go to work. But then was I doing productive work? Probably not, but I would get up and get that job, get that check. Function, functional. You've been, you yeah. in functional depression. That's, that's what we yeah. call that, where you can walk around, go day to day, do everything you need to do. But people don't was, know. It was tough tunnel vision for sure and then I go straight back and get in bed so um yeah I love my child how do you know that you're expressing that to her how are you expressing that to her that you love her in what ways that's a tough question because I do 
hope that I'm conveying the love that I have for her. I, you know, I, I tell her that I love her. I show her that I love her and, you know, the in affection and, and then um, in making sure that she has, you know, the things that she needs. And I probably, she probably is a little bit spoiled. I'm blessed with a good job. Thank you, Jesus. But I listen that my, my level of listening she would probably say different though because she's a teenager and she's preaching, but I do do my best to hear what she's saying and the things that she's also not saying. Ah, so realistically, it's about the listening. It's the communication. So it's not about Barbie doll or what what mama gonna get you later on. It ain't about that. It's just about let me try to be there. Yeah. Her. And you saying that is how I'm showing. So then the reason why I asked you that, because let's go back to intimate relationships for you. I'm going to mm. ask you again, how would, <laughs> you know how I do it. I, I don't like that, Dr. E, I don't like it. <laughs> but it's like, now, how do you need for a man to show you or a person to show you, hey, you are a priority to me. I care about you. Uh, I'm still learning that. I just, as a matter of fact, ironically, I took my love language test today. And, and for those of you that don't know, the five love languages, you Google it. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> but my love language is quality time and words of affirmation and then physical touch um so that quality time for me is important i want you to spend time with me i want to know that we're i don't even know how to how to phrase it i just want to i just want to spend some time with you that's and it. i wanted to uninterrupt un it yeah 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 even if a person can't bring you everything all five to the same extent i think it's very important to at least know your top two or three the reason why i'm explaining this because i feel like this is important because i'm like okay you got to know the love languages because that's how you function as well that's what a lot of people don't understand and that's what they look for it's mm -hmm. a good thing and it's a bad thing it's a good thing because that is how you need to be pursued but it's a bad thing because you assume that everybody function the way you do and that may not necessarily be the case so so in other words when i say someone dr you say something y'all know i'm authentic i say i say whatever i'm saying in the moment <laughs> i'm saying i'm authentic with yeah. what i say right in my feelings i have to think about it and i'm like this is how i feel you know if you get me to talking boom 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 i'm dropping balls boom that's what it is y'all know i'm like that and, and i'm gonna talk to you truthfully so when people open up their mouth to me that's the downfall whatever you say i take as truth now the good part about that is it's a protective state because if, if a guy says something crazy or anybody say anything crazy i'm like yeah i heard you you don't even know that went into the file can't change that it's bad because yeah. if you're lying to me since i'm so authentic i believe that you're being authentic you, you understand what i mean i believe you because that, that's how i function i'm like i'm authentic i assume which is wrong we know we're supposed to assume that you're authentic the reason why i'm saying this because it can get you in trouble if, if you out there you looking for love in all the wrong places or you're looking to be validated because you don't want to be rejected and you're identifying it as that we still have to be careful because somebody can sit there and provide that to you right and we'll we'll assume that that's that's it and we might need to be paying attention to a lot of other things trust I me i just had an aha moment actually because i think my one of my love languages is word of affirmation or actually that's one of the first ones to be honest with you is i think that because i was because 
I was told so many things in my in my past and my growing up, things that were very demeaning and that um, minimized me. So those words really stung. And you can't, especially as a parent, you can't say things that you can't unsay. You can't that's, unsay it. That, that's, that's for anybody. And that's why in one of my previous podcasts, I said love is an action word. And then when you're saying it, here's the other part. You got to be functioning in it, functioning in a positive way, because some people, you know, have attempted suicide and it's because of the fact that they have been physically abused or sexually abused. And then the person that sexually abused them, but like, and I love you. And, and so that confuses what love is. And oh, it's like, yeah. okay, it's like, I'm not, I mean, like, I, I'm only beating you because I love you. Mm. Yeah, okay, you know. so let, let's define that because, you know, I, you know, I don't know if anybody know if they haven't went to my uh, website, they won't know I am what we call Black American. And so beating, <laughs> as I was growing mm. up, <laughs> it may not be the same as everybody else beating because, you, know, you, know, you know, we used to get it sometimes. I, I ain't going to lie, I'm a guy. Dr. Eden got it. So that's almost like a norm. So I guess I'm like, okay, so when you talking about when your parents used to beat you, what what are you talking about? It was one parent. It was my dad. And mm. he his my abuse was both physical and verbal. Mm. And um and it was always followed up, well, it's just because I love you. And I told I remember one day after church after he now this beating wasn't on me, but this it was a violent, violent beating of my mom. And it was right in the kitchen. So I was I was eating dinner and it happened right in front of me and he ended up um cracking her her sternum right in front of me and then he got me up the next day it was a saturday he got me up the next day for church that sunday morning and i remember going into my mom went to the hospital but she came back home and she was in bed and i remember going in my room my mom's room and i told her i hate him i hate him so much and she told me to tell him wow told me to tell him and we went for a walk around the block and I told him, I was like, I hate you. I hate you, daddy. I hate you. And he cried. I've never heard my dad cry until that day and cried like a baby. And then he, when we got close back to the house, those tears had dried. And he told me before we walked in the house, if you ever tell me you hate me again, I'll kill you. Wow. Let me tell you something. So you you just gave that story. And my first part is I was like, man, boy, church, boy, church, church, church. See, I was like, man, that's why I'm like, y'all don't be mad at Jesus. You know what I'm saying? And be mad at the people because I, yeah. I be looking and, and a lot of people get turned away because a lot of what they've been through has been attached to still the people as far as the church is concerned, right? And then the other part I listened to is just like, oh my God, why is it that people can do a person any kind of way? And then when you try to address them on it, it's a problem. That it, it what's, the, what, what's the problem? You wrong. I don't know. I think that, you know, when an abuser wants to go to church they think that maybe they'll be absolved from their sins or something you know you know well that's i can't i, I can't speak for all abusers i can only speak for the one that i experienced right i get it and but i think that for whatever reason in my mind i believe that he you know his his status at the church and and i know that he did love the lord and it, you know because when he would speak i still had great respect for him mm. you know he recently passed last year but i still had great respect for him because he's a great speaker but his words were harmful to me but beautiful to other people and, and but you know is that's it gets me because it's like the person who's trying to get your attention the most or who's trying to love you the most they they're not the ones that that get it you understand what i'm saying you look at that person get a chance to look at you sit there and you know other people be wowed by you yeah. but if they only knew 
what was going on behind the oh scenes. Yeah, the behind the scenes was it was a whole Netflix binge story. <laughs> okay, but you what was worse? On it. What was worse? Was it the was it the beatings? For you, seeing your mom get beat, was it the the fact that once you get back, he's saying, I kill you? Because the bottom line is, you done told him you hate him because he's beating on you. You go to church, and then all of a sudden, he didn't elevate it to kill you. So tell me so how you feel. So then I that. was like, well, you don't have to. You know, in my mind, I was like, you don't have to. I'll, t- I'll just kill myself. But why? But why? I'm on the why. That's the question everybody like that. Why? Why if would you, you take your life? I, I just, if you don't love me, and I don't feel the love that I I'm seeing on at the time was the Cosby show or the Cunninghams, whatever show that was, Happy Days. All the the things that I would see on TV of what love would look like, or even in, you know, my aunts and uncles or, you know, other folks at church that I could see that's what love looks like. But I don't know. I don't have that. Yeah. But the question is, why is it that other people matter so much? Don't get me wrong. There's an energy you get when you connect it. It is. There's an energy you get. But why do other people matter so much to the point it's like, I'm out of here if I don't get what I need from them? Should it be that way? It shouldn't be that way, but I can't explain to you the pain. And it's a pain that hurt. It it is a physical pain. Like you're aching inside and hungry, hungry for what that is. Like just, just fix it. Just hug me until it goes away. Or I, I can't even tell you what that, what, because I, because it was absent in my life. I can't even tell you what would have fixed that. If it was the hugs, if it was the love, if it was, it was probably a combination, a three piece and a biscuit. I hear, I hear that biscuit. Listen, I'm telling you. <laughs> I hear that biscuit. Y'all this love, especially if it comes from churches. I hear that biscuit. You know <laughs> I needed all of it. And I didn't get it. And because of that absence, I was suffering for years and I didn't know what I was looking for. And I mean, now I think that there's a peace, you know, I have I have things to keep me busy. And I think that that's what's important is for the people that are that have issues with suicide and or the ideation of it. Keep yourself busy. If I felt like I was having a moment of, you know, really wanting to just take myself out of here, I would get overwhelmingly tired and I needed to take that nap. Mm. That nap saved my life a couple of times. Yeah, that's interesting. You know, it's like we tell people, love yourself, love yourself first. Don't make sure you ain't looking for nobody else to love. You know, we therapy, we preach a whole lot of stuff, right? So we're like, love you, learn how to lo- learn, learn how to love yourself. So I'm going to tell you, we got to learn how to love ourselves. You know, I, I have to, I have to, I have to say something on that. So, but I think people don't understand how how complicated that that can be if you don't know it's not a one size fits all right it's not a one size fits all because you have to know yourself and a lot of times I don't think parents understand the role they play in beyond providing that you know your child watches you they they see you they learn from you kind of thing the busy part when you talk about keeping busy I agree with that because we say that too we're like okay keep yourself busy do this do that but at some point the business the busyness it comes to a halt or there's a break and I feel like if you haven't really dealt with whatever it is that you need to deal with and it's a constant dealing it's not it's not just deal with it it's a constant dealing because you have to it's almost like cheerleading yourself like keeping yourself motivated trying to talk to yourself that's why we talk about these positive affirmations right and you know you guys y'all know I say okay if you're spiritual power the tongue if you go to therapy it's gonna be uh, positive affirmation. You know, back in the day, they talked about the secret, you know, <laughs> positive energy. I don't care how you get it, but you have to continuously to do that to hold yourself up. I know sometimes you'd say, Oh, I want somebody else to hold me up because I get a lot of that. They'd be like, Daddy, I'm tired, Daddy. 
I'm tired. I want somebody else to hold me up. But when you don't have that, you have to try your best, your best to say those things to kind of keep yourself held up. So I think I had kind of say some on that, but you still have to deal with those moments. So for those people just running, keeping busy and they running and they don't take time to pause and acknowledge that, you know what? Yeah, this is how I'm really feeling. Yeah, I agree with you there because there was a lot of times where I would just keep busy, keep busy, keep busy. And then I'd get to a place of exhaustion and then the depression would there would still be sitting on top of that mm-hmm. exhaustion. And then I'm dealing with two things which don't work well together. Absolutely. So it's interesting. You talked about you take a nap. You said mm-hmm. a nap has, has saved me. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. And I say that's interesting because I keep thinking about how you brought in the spiritual piece about how you allowed the Lord to be in your life. <laughs> I'll be like, what? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and I'm saying somewhere in there. But I invited him in. I, yeah, you yeah, you did. Okay. So I guess you allowed that. <laughs> you know, but, but. Lord you know, forgive me. You know what no, I'm talking about. No, no. You, you invited him in, but guess what? He came and he decided to resign. Yeah, right. Because though you because of those naps that you're telling me about. Yeah. He decided he to spare me. I mean, he spared me to, you know, listen, 40 plus times where I wanted to, to be out of here. And he has a reason for my life. And I have to say that I took some notes on that last podcast and how important it is to define your purpose. You have to ask yourself, why am I here? Today, I would say I'm here because I have a responsibility to for my other person that I'm raising mm. because I don't know what her purpose is. Mm. And I could have just been, God could have kept me here to just be the vessel for her life. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, the girl, the young lady, the woman you are today, when you think about these different seasons in your life, because you've been going through a lot of different things at different points in your life, describe yeah. describe what's the difference in who you are today versus who you were. But the person today wants to help the little girl, wants to help little Alec, wants to just give her the love that I didn't have. And so I think the person that I am today is the person that I needed. Hmm. So how are you helping little Alec? How are you helping your younger self? And what Listen, way are you doing that? I hear when I, I, I pay close attention to what my needs are um, for me, not for another person to fulfill, but for me. And I still get them naps. (laughs) (laughs) I don't get them. I don't get them when I want them, but come on the weekends and I, I really you know I do all the things that I need to do for you know the people in my life but at the minimum you might still catch me in bed yeah that is my way of recharging my own battery I well, can't give anybody anything until I until my battery is charged up and nothing wrong with that everybody find their way to survive that's what it takes for you to survive you know you have to take those naps but make sure it's just a nap you understand yeah. what I mean and at some point yeah. you got to get up because that's what I'm saying you still can't run you you have to be able to function and you have to be able to acknowledge what you're going through and how you're feeling. That's so important. That's the way of monitoring yourself as well. People have to understand that, you know, you have to be responsible for you. And it's hard sometimes. It's very, very, very hard sometimes. But you already know that you can do it because you've been doing it. I've been doing it. You've been yeah. doing it. So I'm not telling you something that, you know, you don't already know. But give yourself some credit because you're still here. You're still here. Okay, well, this is part one of part two. Hopefully parents learned how important they are and the difference they can make when it comes to their children. And I'm also hoping that each one of you realize the importance of being honest concerning how you feel and what it is you need. Just being willing to find positive ways to manage your depression. Keep in mind that you never 
never know what is going on behind closed doors. So don't allow what other people show you because they'll show you anything to, to fool you that they are having a better life than you because that may not necessarily be the case. And most importantly, if you have thoughts of suicide, please call 911 or go to the nearest emergency room because I want you to be okay. Remember, you're not your yesterday. I like that. You are not your yesterday. And I am glad. Dr. E is glad. I'm glad that you are still here. The Life Savvy Queen. Take care. On the scene. Encouraging you to live your dream. The Life Savvy Queen. <laughs> Visit EncouragingYourDreams.com to learn more about Dr. Eastland or to contact her. We welcome you to download, play, and share this podcast with others for personal use. Any commercial redistribution or reproduction of part or all contents in any form is prohibited without our express written permission.